That's exciting. Oh, that's exciting. That is amazing. I, I think it. we. I think we might have cracked it. That's I'm ready for a good time. You We've got it. We've got it. I'm. I think, look, more more on that later. We may have just got there in I terms of our walk-on song. So excited about that. Yeah. So excited. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast where we tear down, pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James and with me are Richard. Hello. And Matt. G'day. This week, among other things, we'll look at shiny metal on display in China, a ute extravaganza and kids giving a crash course in driver distraction. So stay with us. But first... Musquatch. Okay, so they're still working twenty four seven at clock. the Fremont Tesla plant, making Model Threes as fast as they can. Yep, uh, they've kicked a few robots out now. Somebody has broken a jaw. Someone's oh. broken their jaw on the production line. So. Officially, machinery's to blame at some kind of OH&S slip-up. Or, Richard, you're theorising it could be something more. It might be a certain Elon Musk. Oh, I reckon what, maybe a haymaker. Punching on. <laughs> Punching on with the employees. He's, he's under a lot of pressure. And if yeah. people aren't pulling their weight, you know, they're going to wow. meet the fist. He's picked up a crowbar. He's and picked just up a crowbar. Get the hell on with it. He's picked up another worker. Yeah. And then <laughs> slapped him across the face with him. The mind boggles. Because he's yeah. probably getting, you know... He's pent up in there. He's, yeah. he's getting stir crazy. He's been in the factory twenty four seven for weeks. He's building cars himself. Well, he's he building just wants, cars himself. He just wants to get to Mars. Just yeah, exactly. And yeah. this is all a delay. Yeah, yes. For the trip to Mars, so yes. he's been working around the clock, and that's how accidents happen. That's how the jaw broke. <laughs> Bloomberg has got the Model Three production tracker that we've been watching. It's trending towards three thousand units a week for the Model Three wow. within the next month or so. Which you think that's amazing? That's yeah. as high as it's ever been. Obviously, Elon's factory violence is working. You know, they're actually <laughs> getting some cars. The sausage machine is putting some uh, output through the door. But don't forget, the target is six thousand cars a week by June, and as of Monday, that's a month away. Yeah. So I would argue that Tesla has once again taken square aim at its foot and pulled the trigger. <laughs> so they reset that target yeah. again quite recently. Yeah. It was 3,000 and they were falling behind. It, it, and was, fi- it, it was 5,000. 5, and yeah. they just went bullish. We're, let's make it six. We're on it. Let's make it six. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh. So that's not going to happen. And, and, and look, Keith Crane, who's the uh, much-admired editor-in-chief of Automotive News, mm. which is a, a very well-respected uh, industry-focused uh, trade newspaper slash yep. magazine, has written an opinion piece saying Tesla's days are numbered. Ooh. And look, the main point is that he believes the company failed to grasp that moment in time when you're the leader. You have no competition. You've mm. really created a new market. He says they haven't taken advantage of that or they haven't been able to. And also, genuine consumer demand for battery electric vehicles is yet to really be tested. And he's talking about Tesla in the past tense. He says Tesla gave it a good run. That so is, as far as he's concerned, it's already happened. Well, past tense. Like past he says, yep, tense. you've had your go. You've had your go. You know, you did what you did. But, yeah, you know, but it didn't work it out. It didn't work. Wow, it's so yeah. telling. Yeah, so basically he's saying that, look, they had a really good opportunity here. They didn't have any other competitors. Yep. They really could have – it was theirs to lose. And he's yeah. saying they lost it. They lost it. Mm. And really there are a lot of incentives in various markets around the world where governments quite rightly are trying to reduce emissions, tailpipe emissions from cars. But what Keith Crane's saying is that real consumer demand hasn't been tested 
and a lot of these incentives are actually coming off now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, will people buy them uh, you, remains the question. You've said it before, James, in the office here is that it doesn't matter if you, you can build as many as you want. If no yeah. one buys them, there's no point building them. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's and right. if there are, you know, if these incentives are falling away, yeah. you know, how, how much future is there? I mean, of course there's a future for the electric car, but is it... As, as big as... As grandiose. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Maybe in, look, in, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, we'll look back at this as a sort of a, a Vegemite jar lid situation where without Tesla having <laughs> loosened it a bit, the rest of them wouldn't be able to open it. Uh, I think I think Tesla have gone a long way to actually. <laughs> what the, what the hell are you talking about? I, I think. What, why Tesla, is there a Vegemite jar? <laughs> it's a metaphor, James. It's a metaphor. There's no Vegemite jar. Are we just talking Not about really. a jar, <laughs> no, or is there some particular I'm, reason we're no, talking about Vegemite? What I mean is, is that Tesla came along and they basically opened the way for the rest of them to come in, while the rest of them couldn't break through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right. I think. That's what's happening here. We'll, we'll check in again with Crazy Elon next week. But speaking of high smog environments that possibly could benefit from some zero tailpipe emissions, uh, Beijing, China. Mm. And this week sees the Beijing Motor Show opening its doors and lots of shiny metal on display. In fact, some very shiny metal and some very luxurious uh, cars, one of which is at this stage it's a concept, but it's a Maybach SUV from Mercedes-Benz, well, from Mercedes-Maybach, based on the GLS, and it is an unbelievably premium uh, kind of a car, but it makes sense. Mercedes-Maybach is going into this market. Rolls-Royce is about to um, unveil the Cullinan. Um, Bentley's had the Bentayga for a while. Aston's going to have its uh, DBX, which we believe Richard is going to have a name starting with a V, but that hasn't been launched yet. <coughs> something <coughs> something <coughs> like that. A bit of a frog in my voice. But... When you think, according to the Harun Global Rich List for 2018, China added four billionaires each week last year and led the world with a total of 819 billionaires whose combined net worth amounted to $2.5 trillion or 3.2% of global GDP. That's just so 800 819 people represent... 3.2% of global GDP. Wow. And they're all in China. So more than lots of small nations in Africa. Yeah. yeah. You betcha. That's obscene. That's so crazy. these very premium brands are getting yeah. in there. We've got some lovely cars for you. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you may be interested in several of them. Yeah. Let's make one for you now. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> what would you like? Just how deep are your pockets? Yeah. And, and, and on the basis of that, extremely deep. But if that Maybach thing is what the images that we've seen around the internet Represent a high SUV style sedan. Mm. I think it is because yeah. it's 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 like the three box design. It's a little a, bit, little bit blurring the lines. Isn't because, it? but this this makes perfect sense for the Chinese market because while SUVs are getting more popular there, they still love a sedan. They still love the prestige that comes with the three box design and. You know, something that's high riding that has presence, but also yes. sticks with what they know, yes. could be very, very appealing. Too true. I mean, there's the um, the Volvo, which was the 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 Volvo S eighty S ninety S ninety S ninety. Yep. Which is effectively a three seat car, meaning the front passenger seats removed. Yeah. Uh, yep. And you can luxuriate in in the back there. Sedans. You're right, Matt. They do have a lot of prestige. 
Yes, it's a fairly awkward looking vehicle. But but speaking of awkward looking vehicles, there's another one there, um, this time from a Chinese manufacturer. Um, it's Haval, which sits under the umbrella of Great Wall. And through that uh, organization's premium brand, which is called Way, mm-hmm. um, they've released a car called the X Concept. And it looks a lot like the Citroen Cactus. It has a similar kind of form. It is an SUV. But they're jumping straight into the level five autonomy thing. That is no steering wheel, no pedals, no driver, just occupants inside this car, which navigates its way via smart technology, speaking with other vehicles, nav, whatever. To me, it just seems like the biggest stretch imaginable. You know, these people are, are saying they're going to have level five autonomy in the in the near future and it's just rubbish it is rubbish because when you've got um, you know established brands like um you know mercedes-benz and bmw you're not saying Haval's not established it's, it's very big in china but in terms of this type of technology mm. uh, benz and bmw are leading the world and so is volvo when when the, you know, the the people who run these companies are coming out and saying it, level five is a long way off yeah, yeah. as in a long, a long way way, way longer years. than we thought it was going to yeah. be but also those those players are in established marketplaces where the cities have been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. thousands of years, thousands a of lot years. of them. Millions in, even. In China, yeah. there's a lot of new cities. So there's more possibility for the infrastructure to be built into the cities as they're being built. And yes. even Beijing itself is a pretty high-tech city. So I would imagine that they'd be able to implement that sort of infrastructure, car to X, all that sort of Matt, stuff. I, I take and your point. I take your point. But the way X is saying they will have a small holographic person, yeah. <laughs> like an automotive Siri, yeah. standing, floating next to you in the car yeah. to take your instructions. That is la-la land. <laughs> so to be, to be presenting this as, you know, this is something that's just around the corner, I think is, um, you know, they're, they're pushing... It's not quite truthful. It's fanciful. It's <laughs> yes, fanciful. It is. Maybe it's not. Maybe we just don't know. Maybe the the other manufacturers are holding back, and these guys are going. You know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna put it out there. You're gonna have a holographic lady in your car. Ooh, I wouldn't mind that. Okay. Look, <laughs> moving on. At that point, time to move on. Uh, so we we have pictures of um, of the Way X uh, on and our the lady, site. Take a look. Take a look. And the small series style holographic person, but. We're staring down the barrel of a sports ute extravaganza. Matt, you've been driving uh, new Toyota Hilux models, mm-hmm. three of them, yep, uh, as well as the HSV Sports Cat that we've spoken about before, and a Tickford modified uh, Ford Ranger. And we've got a big test coming up. Yep. So tell us first of all about the the Hiluxes. Okay. So Hiluxes, uh, it was an interesting test. They took us out to Wilpena Pound in South Australia in the middle of the outback. So Lots of nothing to see, which was really lovely. Um, And we tested them off-road, tested them on-road. There's three different models, as I think we've mentioned before. There's the Rugged, which is the more affordable version. There's the Rugged X, which is a more hardcore, sort of off-road-focused SR5 model. And then there's the Rogue, which is more of a city-focused model. And they've each got unique selling points. They've all got a reason for being, which is really important. If you're looking in the Hilux range... At, up until this point, you haven't had that much choice in terms of right. um, going a little bit further. So, so these are additional. They're not replacing anything. Exactly. They're supplementary. Exactly. Right. So 
where you've had Ford come in with the Wild Track. The Wild Track's been its halo car for a long time, but it's one one vehicle for a bunch of different buyers. Okay. Where Toyota's taken a very different tact with this. Yep. It's got three different vehicles for three different buyers. And All that's right. I think that's incredibly smart. Of course Toyota would do it the smart way. Yep. Um the biggest issue with it is apart from adding some bits and pieces around the vehicle, no mechanical changes. Mm. At all. All right. That you think the prospective customers would probably want. Well, I I honestly reckon if they put a different engine in it or a more powerful tune of that engine or whatever, uh, it would have a different level of appeal to a different buyer again. I see. Mm. So, I mean, you you buy a Toyota because you know what you're getting. Yeah. um, But sometimes you want to not know what you're getting. Yeah. But this is classic Toyota, like, Mm -hmm. isn't it? They'll make all the enhancements in the world but they'll leave the engine alone. Look at the Toyota 86. Yep. We're still running a 147 kilowatt you know, yeah. engine after all since 2012. Mm. Yeah, but it also makes a lot of business sense to keep things as they are because mm. then you have less complexity in your model range, you've got less parts, parts complexity, you've got mm. less service complexity. Mm. You, they don't have to retrain anyone on yeah. how to service this engine, that sort of thing. So I mean, time, time will tell, won't it? I yeah. mean, the, the market will always speak. But... And there's no way that the Hilux won't sell 50,000 vehicles this year and, again, be the top-selling vehicle in Australia. That's just going to happen. Mm. I'd put my house on it today. Okay. So yep. that's just how, how it's going to be. How many bedrooms is your house actually <laughs> Yeah, three. Yeah. Three, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Is there a garage? Um, no, no garage, but it's got double All parking right. spots. So anyway. you, can keep, um, you can keep it. Now, let's talk about HSV Sports Cat. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there's two different tunes of sports cats. So this is the same sort oh. of approach. They've gone, well, we'll offer one that sort of looks sporty and has a bit of extra stuff going on inside. And then we'll offer one that's got, you can have more stuff. So it's got like special shocks and that sort of stuff. Okay. And it's uh, a little bit more expensive, obviously. Um, and it's got better brakes. The vehicle that we've had, the sports cat, the regular one, um, doesn't have the AP racing brakes that you get in the Sports Cat Plus, Good. which AP is a racing brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have thought um, there's one thing that most Utes suck at, and that's braking. Okay, and oh, so you're going to say just. Ride and just comfort, being good, really. yeah. Just um, being <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, yeah. But braking is a real concern for most Utes, and the uh, sports cat really should have got the brake upgrade because this, the braking feel is probably the biggest thing that lets that vehicle down. Apart from the fact it's like the Hilux, it's got you know, it's but the big thing is it's wearing a HSV badge, yeah, and nothing's changed under the bonnet. Yeah. Well, speaking of badges, the other one is Tickford. Now, mm-hmm. Tickford is no longer the factory-endorsed subsidiary-style modifier that it once was. It's very much an aftermarket, uh, as I understand Mm -hmm. it, in Australia. And they've done a version of the Ranger. Exactly, yes, um, with a power bump. A power bump? Yeah. So they've they've chipped and tuned, and it's got uh, quite a bit more, actually. It's got, instead of 470 newton metres, it's 564 newton metres. Wow, okay. That's pretty good. Power's up by about 20% as well, so it's, it's... a big sizable jump but offset by all the extra stuff that they add to these vehicles like big fat 20 inch heavy wheels and big guards and so weight weight or just complexity just weight yeah like they add a lot of weight to these vehicles in order to but it's not intentional it's just the fact of trying to make a ute look more 
muscular right. mm. is that you add more weight to it. But that so. kind of power-up was sort of what people might have expected for the Ranger Raptor, yeah? Yep. And, yeah. and they haven't, haven't got it so far. Mm. No, yeah. so, well, the, yeah, the, as we know, the Ranger Raptor will have a downsized engine compared to the regular Ranger. Yes. But twin-turbo charged and with a better gearbox, so it'll make better use of its power. Yeah. Um, it's got more torque than the 3.2, which is good. Um, but this this thing, you know, I looked at it and went, wow, that looks tough. It looks so good. You drive it, you go, oh, God, I don't really? know. It's okay. It's probably not as good as a standard Ranger XLT to drive um, and to live with, for, for example, because it's got a lift kit and it's got big wheels and that sort of stuff. For me, I would just get the engine tune because it's factory backed. So yeah, right. it doesn't impact your Ford warranty and, okay. it's, and it's backed by Tickford as well. So you sort of think to yourself, eh. You know, it might be worth spending the money, but then you look inside and you've got these, you know, leather seats that have got little bits of padding and it looks nicer, there's no doubt about it. But I personally, put it this way, the vehicle that we had before on road costs, if you bought a brand new XLT, drove it to Tickford, they fitted all the stuff, 80 grand. 80,000 bucks. Mm. Yeah, right. 80 grand. 80,000 Well, speaking of vehicles with presence... Stance and performance. Now, some magical words from a magical Aussie icon. Australian performance drivers love their cars, and the performance car they love the most is the one that's done it all. From the Mount Panorama Winner's Circle to your driveway, all roads lead to Winton. The 2018 Winton Turbo now features an even more potent version of the powerhouse Redback two-stroke V9 Turbo, backed up by the latest generation version of our patented torque tumbler transmission technology. Once you eye it and try it, we guarantee you'll buy it. Australia's Winton Turbo. Inspiration is standard. Torque tumbler transmission available at extra cost. Wheels and tyres sold separately. Batteries not included. Consult your Winton dealer for final pricing. Ah, Winton. Winton. Just saying the word makes you feel good. Makes me feel warm. Yeah. A bit wet. What? Not sure why I said that. But, yeah. Fine. Look, Frosty Chops... He's a great friend of the show. He's now head of corporate and government affairs at the Winton Motor Company. He actually formed Frosty and the Snowmen, one of Australia's biggest bands of the 1960s. And that song at the head of the show, I'm Double Parked by the Curbside of Your Heart, topped the Aussie charts for three months straight in 1968. Wow. Three months. From February right through to what three months after that. Yeah. Oh, it was. I don't know mate, whether the, I don't mate. know whether they were consecutive months or not. How um how old is Frosty then? If if he was in a hit band in yeah. the sixties, hmm. the is guy he? looks like he's oh, no. in his early forties. Yeah, 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 he's there's, about at least seventy, I reckon. There's a portrait in his attic that's aging while he's just operating out in the real world. He's the Dorian Gray of the Australian motor industry. Um, but the band was just starting to crack it in the US. I mean. He was telling us, Richard, it's supporting the likes of the Tailpipe Trio and yep. the Shutter Boys Swizzle and the Swizzle Sticks, Swizzle Sticks. The Swizzle Sticks yep. some of the big names. Massive. But, um, you know, with a seven-piece outfit, you're always going to have personality clashes in the, the touring pressure cooker, mm. and it all came crashing down. Rumour has it Yoko Ono was involved. Before she met John Lennon, <laughs> yeah. oh, there was Frosty. Yeah. yeah, so Before Lennon. 
Yeah, wow. and um, all the members of the band met at Winton Motor Company. A lot of them were on the production oh, line. Others were in the yeah. office, like yeah, Chesney Vale. He's Chesney the guy Vale. on um, keyboard. Oh, I thought you meant and cowbell, and also on the uh, machinery. Uh, uh, he was actually on the bumper bump, bumper bar stops. His job was to get he was stops in, pressing those that's out for right. quite a few yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barnaby Gapstead, yep. his lead guitar. You had oh, Howl and Graham Swanpool, oh. flamboyant front man of the band. Was it Warren Bay? What, what was he? He was Warren... well. Frosty was on drums. Frosty was, of course, he was. You yeah. had Greta Yundall on harp and guitar and flute yeah. and all the wind instruments. She was great. You had Warren Bain, the rhythm guitar, That's and right. of course That's Dookie right. College. Dookie, Dookie College is on bass. Dookie College. Dookie yeah. College. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is, Richard, you've got the lowdown here. So, Frosty's been talking to you about the music that, <laughs> that we uh, used as our walk-on song. I always feel weird talking to Frosty because it feels when you when you meet they say, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes, and I get all. I get all tongue-tied when I talk to him. Anyway, Frosty found out that we were desperately trying to find a theme song. Um, anyway, he didn't even tell any of us this, but he took it upon himself to reform the band, re-record that track, and then give it to us. Thank so he's wow. given us Great. our theme song, and I think it's perfect for us. Great. It's absolutely all perfect. All right, it's super exciting news. Wow, we've got <laughs> Frosty so and the Snowman as our walk-on song. Great. <laughs> okay, now, we've published a story Um that says driving with your child, now that's one, but I presume there's a multiplier effect here, <laughs> is 12 times more dangerous than talking on your mobile phone while you're driving. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent of uh, a few rugrats, I, I can tell you that I, I go along with that 100%. Yeah. I, I think they can be so massively distracting. Yep. Is it like 12, 24... Um, is it, is it oh, 48? It's you, probably exponential. add them all together? So Each one's the t- 12 times? Yeah, by the time you get it, it's, it's 100 times more <laughs> distracting than speaking on the phone, as in you can't concentrate on anything. Yeah, well, is it 12 to the power of 2? Yeah, so 144 yeah. times more likely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Because at yeah. least a phone is predictable and yeah. switch-offable, yeah, whereas yes. a child will not listen to reason. They will not If, if a little kid is determined to scream and mm-hmm. kick up a fuss... There's very little that's going to stop. And also, There's, yeah, you can you can ignore your yeah. phone if you need to. Absolutely, yeah. you can. You can or, there is all kinds of ways around it. Or if you're one of those people who does play with their phone, you can pay attention to your phone when you, know, you need to. My, my uh, solution is involving the child and a phone. I just hand the phone over with bloody ABC Kids on it and go there just... Great. Watch a Peppa Pig. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, Richard, you just made the gesture of reaching around to the, the seat behind. Yep. And that's the temptation as yes. a parent when mm. you're behind the wheel yeah. to either look at what's going on, try and mm-hmm. fix whatever the trauma is, and, and it's just as distracting. In fact, it's 12 times more distracting or, or, than speaking on a motorbike. Though, while stop, though, James, I'll, uh, you know, and the car's in park, I'll, yeah. make, I'll hand over the phone. So I would like to know if they've ever done any sort of study on those cars that have those pop-down uh, backseat mirrors so you can see what's happening in the backseat. If that's going to be oh, yeah. less distracting... For drivers, then maybe they should consider making that a standard fit thing for family cars. Yeah, because maybe I, I think you know I've driven with people in the back and like put that little mirror down and gone. Oh, I can talk yeah. to them like yeah. that. But at the same time, it's not that. But they it's weren't the two fact year olds. That they will not stop screaming. I think it's and more it doesn't like matter a, if you can see them or not. They are just going for it. And it's if, more like a cone of silence petition. Yeah, we just hit the yeah. button and that glass, that acrylic thing, thing just comes yeah. straight yeah. down. Show yeah. for time. Yeah. yeah. It's quiet time in the front of the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, read all about it. It's on our site. I think it's an interesting point 
that uh, uh, yeah, they're lovely kids, terrific. Who doesn't love them? Except when they're distracting you in the car, it can be uh, highly dangerous. Now, another distraction has been Porsche. Uh, in its adult playground, they are like kids with toys, and this toy is the 911 GT3 RS. Complete in toxic shock green, that's the colour I've made up for it, but it has the Visark package on it, which means full-on aero and all kinds of other bits and pieces. And it's gone sub-seven minutes on the Nürburgring. So, question is, do we really care? That's awesome or yawnsome? You know, they've gone 656.40. It's the third fastest production car ever around there. 24 seconds faster than the GT3 911 managed in May last year. And it's nudging up against its GT2 RS sibling. Porsche is going fast around the Nürburgring. Is it is it for kids to get all excited about and have posters up on their wall, or is it for the very very few people in the entire globe to boast about? What's it all about, Richard? What do I, you make of it? I used to be one of those kids that used to get so excited about the record being broken again and again and again. You know, you had car after car after car. You had production cars. You had just race track focused cars you know Nissan GTR came along and blew everybody away and then it was outdone by somebody else and then you had Renault Megane RS's and now I've I don't know whether I've just grown up or I've just grown bored yeah um, right interesting yeah. I, it does seem a little bit remote you know mm, yeah. um, those we've, we've had the discussion before for me it's the Fiesta ST factor you know, any car that's got more acceleration and, and more performance than a Fiesta ST is wasted in the real world. That's yeah. that's a philosophy you yep. could probably live by. Mm. So all of these shenanigans around the Nürburgring seem uh, quite distant in I, a way. I yeah. think for the vast majority of people, the Nürburgring is just this place you can't associate with. Sure. But if it was, you know, oh, it clocked a 2 minute 11 around Bathurst, Bathurst. then yeah, maybe, maybe you might be able to get yeah. your head around it a little bit easier. But this is a long and complex track yeah. and it's... You know, it's known for being a destroyer of egos and cars. And sure, it's great yeah. to see cars going faster and faster around it. But to what end? Well, like I suppose you say, the only thing is um, it's a little bit... It's more relatable because of console video games. Yeah. You know, that yeah, a lot true. of people have lapped the Nürburgring yep. um, in their lounge room. Yeah. So they kind of understand the nature of the place, whereas in times past, mm. it was just some thing off in a forest yep. in Germany. Yep. So there's that. Maybe we should do something more local, like maybe 657 around the Nasho. Now I would be more, I'd be more impressed by that. What yeah. about Nurburgring stickers on cars that you see? Yeah. What do you What do you think? I like the ones that uh, those guys did. Uh, what, what's that show? That internet show with those two guys, Moogs and what's his name? They yeah. did the Nasho stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not for Nurburgring, but all for Nasho. Yeah. Well, look, let's keep it moving. For for performance in the real world, Peugeot, of course, has the 208 GTI. But Richard, you got onto a story that um, our very own Andrew Chesterton followed up. The three door version is not long for this world. No. So if you are thinking of getting a uh, a three door 208 GTI, this is probably going to be your last chance ever. So, so you're um, speaking to all two or three people oh, in Australia. So oh. there. Peter and Philippe out there, if you guys still want Keep a it in the garage. garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, look, um, yeah, look, information has just come to hand, uh, what I say in the last week or so, that, yeah, Peugeot are going to be canning the three-door 208 GTI. And it's significant because... The 205 GTI is a classic hot hatch. You know, it go back in time to when Golf GTI and was was you know ruling head head you know, with that. Yeah, the absolutely. B roads of the UK and Europe. Yeah. Um, 
it's its arch nemesis out mm-hmm. there was you know the two two hundred five GTI. Um, they've always been three doors. Now it's going to go to a five door. It's going to be a bigger car built on a different platform. So yeah, look, um, yeah, this could be the last time to, to get one. Okay, yeah. so if you've so got one, keep it, wrap keep it up. It. Actually, mm. uh, vacuum vacuum wrap it, um, cryogenically seal it. It's little enough. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and if you're in the market to buy one secondhand, there are some really solid deals. Oh, really? On, on okay. affordable, you know, That's good like. To know. Say uh, eleven and a half thousand dollars for one with less than fifty thousand Ks on the All Cars right. Guide website. Yeah, yes. well, that's good. Now, look, we now will pause for a word from our youthful colleagues at Oversteer. What happens when you put three hooligans together in one room? You get a podcast full of hectic banter. Hummer <laughs> is for any rugged man. This manly scent possesses oh, well, a that, that, that rules me right out. <laughs> Jeez, stupid stories. It's it's a cruise ship. With all the insides scooped out, <laughs> water fills it up, and then you put a pirate ship in the middle. It's nothing more gangster than a ship in a ship. You're an idiot. And some discussion about cars. So we've got the K cars as well. What do you guys think? There's this new Honda Sports concept there. I think it looks so cool. It, it does look a bit funky, mate. The Oversteer Podcast on the Cars Guide website, iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. Right, we're Pushing on, not a hell of a lot of time left. We'll just leave those young, you know, so-and-sos behind. Just to update everyone, last week we talked about the perilous state that GM Korea found itself in. Well, uh, the news is that that business has managed to sidestep bankruptcy via an 11th hour kind of cost-cutting deal with unions. Um, That output had fallen from about a million cars for GM Korea as recently as three years ago to about half that last year. And that's because, you know, GM stopped selling Chevrolet cars in Europe a couple of years ago. Um, They're going to exit India and South African markets with the Chevrolet product. So GM's going to invest a lot now. They said they would if they could strike a deal with the Korean Development Bank and the government. And so what that means is that Holden is still able to Mm. source product um, out of those factories. So it's kind of significant for us locally. Um, We'll see where that goes in terms of new product development as well. But if you look at that... A different way, South Africa, right-hand drive. India, yeah, right-hand drive. Point. Australia, point. right-hand drive. Yeah, yeah um, very good point. I would say we're going to be saying, like we said it last week, we're going to be saying goodbye to Chevy Source products and probably the Holden brand in yeah, Australia yeah. within right. the next couple of years. You heard it first. It even raises the possibility how long for right-hand drive. Because there's a there's a there's a train of thought, or there's a there's a there's a theory theory going around that eventually the world will just have to move to left-hand drive altogether. And it yeah. won't be so much of a change. I don't think it'll be that. I think that when cars don't have steering wheels, it'll be middle hand drive. Middle drive. Yeah. And yeah. you won't there won't be a distinction. Yeah. It'll just be all built in the same yeah. format. Yeah. And a steering wheel which can be anywhere. Yeah. Maybe well, you can drive was, from the back. Yeah. What mm. decade was it? It was Sweden went from right to left hand drive. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not right to left hand drive, but different side of the road. Yeah. So it's okay everybody, midnight yep. tonight. Yeah. You yep. go on the other side of the road yep. and we're gonna be in step yep. with the rest of Europe. Twelve thousand people. I imagine died chaos must have just oh, ensued, yeah. but they kind of ripped the band aid off and did it. Yeah. And but that's uh, the Swedish though, aren't they? It they're, happened they're in one so of good. the it happened in one of the Pacific Island nations uh, in about five years ago. So, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's still happening. It does mm. seem People are coming like to their madness. It feels, it feels like madness. You know, the majority yeah. of the motoring world is left driving yeah. on the other side yeah. of the road yeah. uh, relative to Australia. Yeah. So anyway. Do you know what? Blame the Romans. We yeah. drive on this side of the white road. Because They're your neighbours. The... They're a couple of, couple <laughs> yeah. of doors up, aren't they? Peter yeah. and Janine. Peter Roman. and Janine. Yeah, Roman. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Blame them. Now look it up. History books. 
Okay, mm. fine. Now, just quickly, we'll do a very rapid whip round on what's been in our garage this week. Matt, you've obviously been driving all these utes, but is there anything else that you've um, been steering? Not at all. Not at it's, all? It's, it's Ute City. It's been Ute, Ute, Ute for me. Um, <laughs> I've been, mo- most of my time has been spent in the HSV Sports Cat. Took it off-road yesterday. Yeah. Was mostly impressed with its ability off-road, not so impressed with its ride comfort off-road. Um, and generally, yeah, it's not a bad thing. Cool. Um, I wouldn't spend $65,000 on one, but... I can say that a lot about lots of utes in the segment. So, Richard? I've been in a Kia Cerato S Plus. Um, look, I've just jumped out of an i30, um, which is it's, you know, it's, it's sibling in a lot of ways. The i30 is leagues ahead, but there is a new generation Cerato just around the corner. My advice, and this is, this is just between you and me, dear listeners, maybe wait for it. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And I've been driving an Audi RS6 which absolutely fails the Fiesta ST test in that it's, I don't know, (laughs) it's it's a lazy quarter of a million bucks. The Avant as well, the wagon. 411 kilowatts. Um, Mm. It's supercar fast in a wagon body. Sounds like thunder rolling down the road. And And this one's a a resting shade of yellow. Very yellow, I was going to say. It's it's my favourite, my dream, my want car. And i I got to say, I love it. (laughs) Which is as opposed to what you said, what about the RS5 last week? RS5 last week lost its character, doesn't feel the same sort of car. The RS6 has always been, Mm. I'm a muscle man, look how muscly I am. Great. What about the car? Yes, and you're not looking at Matt now, he's doing a special ripping double biceps pose. Those guns. Huge. With that, we've reached the finish line. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you, Richard. (laughs) Thank you. And thanks to our producer, Barbara. As always, sliding the sliders like a pro. They say two wrongs don't make a right. Take his parents, for example. (laughs) And thank you for listening. Please let us know what you think of the program. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, you. Please take a minute. Do it. Right after this. You there. Help let others know about the podcast. Thank you. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, what did Batman say to Robin before they got into the Batmobile? Robin, get in the Batmobile. <laughs>